What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the planet today. Today is Monday, February 14th, 2022. I am your host, Matt Norton, here once again with our producer and co-host, Nick Chinusa. Nick, how's it going? Maddie? I am full of love because it is the day we celebrate Valentine's Day. Yes, happy Valentine's Day to both my girlfriend and Nick's girlfriend. And I also want to wish you a very happy Valentine's Day, Nick. Wow. How about that? I didn't even know that was a thing, really. I think you brought that up last week, too. And I was like, wait, what's Valentine's Day? But now I get so, it. Yeah, I made the joke on Friday because in uh, what's it, in Parks and Rec, they do Valentine's Day. Yes. OK. But, you know, I guess you could do like Valentine's Day. It, it just doesn't have the same ring to no, it. No, it does not pal, ring off the so tongue. It's Valentine's Day. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I also kept reading that as Palpatine's Day, so shout out to all of our Star Wars fans out there, and uh, <laughs> no further questions. Let's do this thing. Today, here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. This show is your one-stop shop for all things environmental, whether you're just diving into a green lifestyle or you're ready for some more involved conversations about what can be some complex topics. TPT has a little bit for everyone, so we are happy to have you as a listener. Like we say every show, go rate the show on Apple, go rate the show on Spotify. If you love us and we love you, it's Valentine's Day. All the listeners are our Valentines. Please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts too. Just get after it, guys. Come on. It's the season of loving. <laughs> Have a heart. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show. So a few weeks ago on February 2nd, Matt's birthday, the European Union said it would like to label some nuclear power and natural gas plants as transitional green investments under certain conditions. For the plan to pass, it needs a large majority of the 27 members of the EU and a simple majority in the European Parliament. Yeah, so the EU plans to significantly cut greenhouse gas emissions, and the European Commission said this plan will help accelerating the shift from solid or liquid fossil fuels, including coal, towards a climate-neutral future. Yeah, so the EU aims to reach climate neutrality by 2050 and to cut greenhouse gas emissions by at least 55% by 2030. They say their new classification system is crucial to direct investments into sustainable energy. All right, let's discuss. So transitional is the key for me here. Let's get this one out of the way right at the top of the show. The European Union didn't come out and say that natural gas is green energy. The EU also didn't say that nuclear energy is green energy. What it did say is that these sources of energy can be increased as the continent transitions away from coal, which, like natural gas, is a fossil fuel. People supporting this decision say that nuclear and natural gas are bridges until renewable energy can entirely replace fossil fuels. So let's talk about natural gas first. Is it cleaner than coal? And how much carbon does it produce when it's used? We're going to break that down in British thermal units of energy. BTUs, baby. 
Natural gas produces 117 pounds of CO2 per million BTU compared to 200 pounds per million BTU for the same amount of coal. So in carbon dioxide production, it is cleaner. Right. The issue is that natural gas produces mostly methane, so the production and the leaks from natural gas wells, storage tanks, pipelines, and processing plants amounted to 29% of U.S. methane emissions in 2019, which accounted for 3% of total U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. The reason that I used the U.S. when we're talking about the EU is just the numbers were easier to find. The main issue with natural gas is those leaks that I just mentioned. Since natural gas is made of mostly methane, we need to address methane as a greenhouse gas compared to carbon dioxide. It's something that we talked about a little bit on Friday's episode, but we're going to go into more detail right now. Methane warms the planet 86 times as much as the same amount of CO2, which means that despite methane lasting in the, in the atmosphere for only a decade or two compared to CO2's hundreds of years, methane gas has a higher atmospheric impact. After a decade or two, methane decays and becomes CO2. So in measuring methane over 100 years, it might not seem like as big of a deal as CO2, but it is still 34 times as harmful. And if we're emitting less CO2, methane decaying into CO2 would not be as big of a deal. But look, here we are. We are still emitting a ton of CO2. If leaks never happen, less methane would be emitted. And natural gas would be truly cleaner than coal with no arguments there. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can't take the leaks out. Like They're always going to exist. And that's the, that's the toughest part. So the EPA says the leakage rate of natural gas is 1.4%. So 1.4% of natural gas gets emitted into the atmosphere even before getting used. 1.4% leakage makes it more harmful over 20 years, but less harmful over 100. This number has been debated, and some studies say the real leakage rate is more like 2.3%. Yeah, and, and like you said, the problem with all of these ifs is that they're hypothetical. We are still using coal. We're still using gasoline-powered vehicles. We're still using natural gas. Our airplanes still run on gas. The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. So we can't say, if we're doing this, the natural gas would be way better because of the urgency of the climate crisis. Methane is more harmful than CO2 over a 20-year period, and 20 years from today is 2042. So keep in mind, 2050 is the tipping point at which countries agree we need to be at net zero. So any sort of methane that we're emitting over the next five, seven, 10 years, even as a transitional fuel, that's still going to be up there in 10, 20 years, and maybe even into 2050. Yeah, it's going to hinder our progress. Like all of these, you know, um, goals that we have, like a lot of the COP26 goals were 2050, 2040, 2050 we're not going to reach any of that if we have, you know, a bunch of methane in the atmosphere. So that's where we need to start. Yeah. And a lot of climate scientists warn that if we were to stop emitting all CO2 tomorrow, the temperature in the atmosphere would still continue to rise. Well, here's the science behind that. It's because of how long these fossil fuel greenhouse gas emissions stay up in the atmosphere. And part of the EU plan states that only those that replace coal facilities and meet specific emissions criteria would be classified as sustainable investments. So maybe there has to be some sort of increased leak protection to qualify for this. I'm not sure. And the fact that I'm not sure means I can't sit here and say that there might be a silver lining to this plan because truthfully, I don't think there is. I think this is just the easy way out. And opponents of the decision, including Henry Eviston of the Worldwide Fund for Nature, says that 
this just creates a huge opportunity for greenwashing. And Eviston adds that it penalizes clean technology while promoting a business-as-usual approach. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Like, you could absolutely, you know, let's say we're, we're doing, you know, natural gas is now considered transitional energy and green. you know 30 green whatever <laughs> and then 30 40 years down the road we're like still using it as a main source of our of our energy that's just not it's not going to be good for our our planet at all 100% and some members of the EU are are basically trying to block it so Austria Denmark Sweden and the Netherlands urged the commission not to include any fossil gas based activities as sustainable. Yeah, so let's recap. Natural gas pros are that it's less harmful than coal over hundreds of years. The cons are that, look, it can be more harmful over the next two decades, and we are kind of in crunch time here. So, Nick, what do you think? Is natural gas green energy? I am certainly not going to call it green energy. Um, but, I mean, playing devil's advocate, I get it. You know, like, it's it's easy to store. We can basically supplement solar and wind and wind energy with natural gas until we can actually ramp up other renewables, but it's not green. It's not green energy by any means. It's still doing harm to the environment. It's still, still going to leak no matter what, like we said, and, and it's going to emit a lot of methane into the atmosphere. Yeah. My concern there is sort of exactly what you said. Like we can supplement natural gas and, you know, have it be a little backup option behind solar and wind but I just don't see that happening because like you said, it's, it's so easy to use. So yeah, even if we start to phase it out and try to phase out, I'm sure people are still going to be pushing for its use. Exactly. It'll become the new oil within, you know, a couple of years. Now, Matt, do you think it's green? No, <laughs> I am siding with Ariadna Rodrigo of Greenpeace USA, who said this anti-science plan represents the biggest greenwashing exercise of all time. It makes a mockery of the EU's claims to global leadership on climate and the environment. So I read that quote and I was just like, damn, I am going to put that word for word in this episode because... <laughs> She put it more eloquently than either of us could have, and I, I can't. I can't even say she took the words out of our mouths because that's way better than anything we could have come up with. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> anti-science. I like that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, she just really brought the hammer down on on this. Yeah, I don't think that we can consider this green, even if they're saying it's a transitional energy, and they're trying to say, you know, we'll phase things out. We're going to keep doing this until we can't anymore. We know that's not the case. It's more of a money-making decision where right now gas is still profitable. And even though solar and wind and geothermal and hydropower are renewable, cleaner, low carbon, natural gas is still abundant and making rich corporations a lot of money and making countries a lot of money. So I think that's the focus as to why they included this here. Yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. All right, well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into nuclear energy and whether that part of the decision makes sense to us. Nikki, it's February. You know what that means? It's cold. 
it's cold, but also this is the time of the year that everyone is supposed to start taking their allergy medicine. That way they start to build up that resistance to the pollen. Ah. And that means that next month it's going to be pollen season again. <laughs> I can't take it, Matt. I'm not, I'm not ready for March. I'm not ready for April. I, I, this is the worst time of the year for me. Yeah. Not to go on too much of a tangent, but growing up is realizing that spring is not your favorite season. Mine's fall personally, but anyway, with pollen, you're going to be sneezing. Your eyes are going to be itching. You need a Val Alta. Val Alta's everyday handkerchief is a high performance daily use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the materials, historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties. Handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying ideal for functional use in all settings from the outdoors to routine encounters. Their small and lightweight design makes one a must carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A.co and code TPT. Build up that immunity and grab a Valalta before they run out. Valalta.co. Welcome back to the planet today, folks. We are moving on to nuclear energy, which the European Union also called sustainable under certain criteria. So, is nuclear energy sustainable? The qualifier that the EU adds is that national governments would need to guarantee safe disposal of radioactive waste, and the nuclear plants must undergo regular safety updates with newly built plants labeled sustainable only until 2045. France led the charge to consider nuclear energy green, which makes sense since 70% of France's energy comes from nuclear. Nuclear also makes up 26% of the European Union's electricity as a whole. Now let's just quickly go over how nuclear energy is actually produced. So nuclear energy is made through a process called fission, where an atom is split into smaller atoms. When the atoms separate, the smaller atoms don't need as much energy to bind them together, so that energy is released as both heat and radiation. The heat will boil water to create steam, which powers turbines in the facility. Those turbines then drive generators to make electricity, and the steam gets cooled and recycled once it becomes water again. So it's a very efficient process, and it produces a lot of energy. The radioactive waste is sealed in vaults 250 to 1,000 meters below the Earth's surface, and sometimes it can be incorporated into glass for storage to allow it to cool first, but that's optional. So the important question here is whether or not nuclear energy is considered green. And that answer really comes down to how you define green or who you're asking. Yeah. And the World Nuclear Association sums up the pros of nuclear energy pretty well. So they say that we need to reduce carbon emissions, number one. And number two, nuclear energy is a low carbon process. Yes, so the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that nuclear produces as much carbon throughout its life cycle as offshore wind and actually less than solar, geothermal, and obviously less than every fossil fuel. And that's all true. It's important to remember that right now, even renewable energy sources aren't 100% carbon-free unless they're produced in a factory that runs on 100% renewable energy. That being said, the carbon output from production of solar panels or wind turbines is far less than the emissions coming from burning coal to power a home, for example. So if any naysayers out there say, 
oh yeah, well, I heard on the number one environmental podcast in the world that solar and wind aren't carbon free. Look, that's a straw man's argument. And getting back to nuclear, if your definition of green energy is simply energy that does not produce much carbon, then you have your answer. It's green. If you factor in radioactive waste, the waters get a bit muddier. Yeah. The U.S. Energy Information Administration calls uranium mill tailings, used reactor fuel, and other radioactive waste concerns because they can remain radioactive and dangerous to human health for thousands of years. They are subject to special regulations over how to handle, transport, store, and eventually dispose of them, but these are still potentially dangerous materials. Yeah, and the other factor that people bring up with nuclear energy is the potential for a nuclear meltdown like we saw in Chernobyl or Fukushima. On the one hand, those types of events are rare. Chernobyl happened in 1986 because of an unexpected power failure. Fukushima happened in 2011 due to the impact of an earthquake and a tsunami. On the other hand, those are devastating events when they happen. And like we said, the events are rare, but a rare chance is still a non-zero chance. So these are the basics of why people do or do not support nuclear and call it a green energy. And look, we're going to encourage our listeners to dive into this some more if this is a topic that interests them, because there's a lot of literature out there both for and against nuclear. But for now, Nick, what do you think? Is nuclear green? I would definitely not call it green. I mean, you're you're basically putting radioactive waste into the Earth's surface. Like, I, I don't know if that's actually been you know, figured out like, is it causing harm? Is it producing any radioactivity into the, into the atmosphere, whatever the case may be, regardless, doesn't really matter because all nuclear power plants produce thermal pollution. And those do a number on our, on our atmosphere, on our ecosystem. Um, and specifically it damages marine life. So not green. Yeah. That's a really good point, especially with marine ecosystems, because like we mentioned on Friday, Salmon, for example, are very sensitive to different water temperatures and many fish and many aquatic animals are like that. So, yeah, I totally I totally hear you. For me, I think this is kind of a cop out, but my answer is I don't know if it's green or not, because uranium remains radioactive for thousands of years and we've not been producing nuclear energy for thousands of years yet. So I just don't know enough about the long term impacts of it to say for certain yes or no. My my knee jerk idea is that transitional is good, like using it to phase into 100 percent renewables is good. Yeah, Uh, I I wouldn't say building new plants is a good idea, but look, it's better than coal or natural gas, I think. But again, I don't know enough about the impacts this is going to have in a thousand years. Like it stays radioactive for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And like we can look at you know, Chernobyl and and Fukushima as just, you know, one-off type events. But if we continue to make more and more plants, like the odds of it happening are, are greater, obviously. And it's completely catastrophic for, you know, the area that it happens in. So to me, I can't consider it like great, no matter what, like you're, that's always playing in, in the back of my head, to be honest, when I see like a nuclear power plant. Yeah, I, I'm always a little hesitant with them because, you know, on the one hand, I think they're better than coal and natural gas. On the other hand, I don't think they're nearly on the same page as solar and wind and hydropower, geothermal energy. I I just think that, you know, nuclear is so efficient 
Yeah. And it's not producing carbon. So maybe it's a good short term answer while we phase out of natural gas and coal. Definitely. I was I was just gonna say it's it's better than natural gas for sure. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this proposal in the European Union and whether or not nuclear and natural gas actually end up being considered green. Yeah, my closing thought about this entire proposal is just one of concern. And it's by allowing these forms of energy to be considered sustainable, investment's gonna go towards them. Like that's yeah. kind of inevitable. And whether it's a lot of investment or whether it's a little bit of investment, it's not so much the money going towards them that's the issue, is that that money could and should be going towards renewables. So by calling these sustainable and allowing for more investment into that, I'm worried about the implications this has on renewable investment in Europe. Yeah, I totally agree with your sentiment. And we don't need any more grace periods, you know, like, yeah, we need to just get going on renewables. And like you said, put money into renewables that instead of putting it into, you know, natural gas and nuclear, like you just said. Yeah, enough 2030s, enough 2040s, like do it in 2022. Yeah, 100%. Do it in March. <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday month. Yeah, true. Next week's quick hit is going to be uh, the European Union has decided to scrap this idea after <laughs> listening to this show. <laughs> we have that much of an impact. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of TPT. We're going to be back on Friday for some more of those quick hitting stories that you know and love from us. Yeah, so make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for clips from the show and an exclusive quick hit Matt is doing every single week. Please validate me and watch that. We're, we need to get these numbers up. We're only averaging a couple hundred views on every TikTok. So <laughs> let's get me into the thousands, baby. Let Matt's work pay off. <laughs> he is killing the TikTok game. Give him a shout out. And for the planet today, I'm Nick Janusa. And I'm Matt Norton. See you on Friday. Peace. Peace.